Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us tonight. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, I'm glad you're here. You glad you're here? Amen. Well, uh, we're in a Wednesday night series. Uh, let's see, we're in the ninth month of the year, so we're nine months into a series. Uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, it's called Believe, and we're wanting to make sure that we as believers know what we believe, why we believe, and that we're able to some degree be able to articulate that belief, that we're able to share that in rational, reasonable ways because we have a responsibility uh, to share our faith, to defend our faith, and also to uh, be able to pass that on and uh, kind of process that as we're watching what goes on in life around us and the world around us. So everybody say, believe. believe. And uh, it's, it's better to believe than doubt. For real, for real. Because there, Romans talks about that God, the God of all hope, would fill you with uh, joy and peace in believing. So when you're believing, God, the God of hope, will fill you with joy and peace. So sometimes if you're feeling like your joy level's down and your peace level's down, don't you wish we had gauges so we could kind of see what's going on, you know, like your dash of your car? But it's like some of y'all running on fumes sometimes, and uh, joy is way down and peace is way down. And part of that sometimes is connected to you just not believing God. Well, what do you, how do I believe God? Well, read his word and faith is going to come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Thank God for a few yes. things. Amen. You know, and that will remind you again of the goodness, the faithfulness, the ability of God. And then I believe it also, it's, it's good for you to speak and just to say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. And you don't have to know how to fix things. He does. You just have to know him. Amen. And it does us good. There's something about the speech centers of our brain that when you engage those speech centers, it will override. This is not my message tonight, but this is a right now message, okay? Let, let me share a, a little bit of how God wired your body and how it will help you with some things. All of that being said, what we just said right now, how many of you some, sometimes have tormenting thoughts, tempting thoughts, distracting thoughts, uh, sad thoughts, come on, and you want to get rid of them? How many of you want to get rid of them? Well, you got to get a ball ping hammer. And, no. No. Here's what happens. Whenever you engage the speech centers of your brain, which dominate your brain, that's the way God wired you. Whenever you engage your speech centers, it, it overrides anything else that's going on in your brain. If I had you right now count silently to 10, but then I ask you to tell me your name out loud, you won't be able to count. Because the speech centers go, excuse me, and they move to the front. So if you're having a thought that you don't want, and Scripture says to cast down those thoughts and imaginations, one of the ways you do it is to speak. And you speak the truth about the lie that's floating. You speak God's word. This is why you've got one of the great spiritual disciplines is to memorize God's word. Or just to read God's word and say it out loud. Are you all with me? And uh, so it's a good, good thing when you're feeling, you know, oh, I messed up and I'm sad. Don't be walking around saying, I'm so tired. I'm so sad. You know, I'm just down lately. Hush. Because you're just reinforcing that, okay? And uh, it'll echo. And so instead, just say, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
And, and let me just add this in too. Man, I don't know if we'll ever get to this tonight. <laughs> it's important that you stay on the right side of the butt. Right. Now, if you're new here, I'm not talking ugly, okay? <laughs> you got to stay on the right side of the butt. Here's what a lot of people do. Well, I know God said that he would provide, but do you know all I've got going on? Okay, and they're on the wrong side of the butt. That's right. That's right. So they need an adjustment. They got to get their butt in the right place, okay? <laughs> so what you do is, I, I've got this need and I've got this situation going, but my Heavenly Father knows what I need. Amen. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, okay? Because if you, if you end up on the wrong side of the butt, you're going to be dragging, Okay? <laughs> but if you stay on the right side of the butt, y'all stop. <laughs> stay on the right side of the butt. What's going to be ringing in your heart and ringing in your soul and ringing in your spirit is that note of victory that God has for us. Amen. So y'all got that? Stay on the right side of the butt. Everybody say, stay on the right side of the butt. And the other thing is you need to speak up. Okay. You need to speak up. Stuff's rolling around in there. Uh, we're shutting that down. You know, it's like, come, come in the room, turn on the light and say, we're, we're stopping this stuff and actually exercise, uh, the speech centers of your brain. Go ahead and speak those things out. God's word. Okay. Don't make up dumb stuff. Use God's word because God, God's word works. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this tonight? No, we got another message here. All right. So we're in our belief series and, uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being the master teacher, and he is. Amen? Amen. And last week, we talked about him being the master storyteller, and we looked at the fact that, that uh, a dominant portion of what, of what Jesus taught and how he taught was through stories and through parables. And I just felt led last, last uh, week preparing uh, that we would now take following that, and we're going to take a couple weeks and just look at a few of his parables. Uh, because the parables are just incredible. They're just incredible. And uh, so it's an, a thrill for me tonight to get to teach one of Jesus' parables. And uh, the great thing about a parable is, uh, and I shared this with you last week, we're not wired to carry concept. We're wired to carry pictures. Uh, we're wired to carry stories. We remember that better. That, that marks us more. And so that's why Jesus put concept into words and into pictures, and then we're able to take that. And if you can remember the story, if you can remember the, the metaphor, the, the picture that comes from that, you'll be able to once again go back and think about it and get the concept out of it. Where sometimes you may have just forgot the truth, the principle, the concept. It's all there. And who could do that but Jesus, the master storyteller. Amen? So we're going to look at one that is amazing tonight. You all know it, but we're going to drill down into it just a little bit. And uh, it's at the end of the um, Sermon on the Mount. So this is in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read about five verses here and pull up this parable. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, don't change that yet, Terry. Go back if you would. Um, here's these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him. So he says, here, we're going to turn on the screen now. We're going to turn on the, here's the picture coming. 
And he starts to, he's a wise man, and then the picture continues to develop here, who built his house on the rock. Now, how many of you know that he didn't build a literal house? Okay. But how many of you know what a house is? Okay. And these people did too. So he's always going to use something that they can relate to. Part of the problem with us understanding uh, the book of Revelation, and did you know it's actually parabolic in a way? There's a lot of metaphor there. Part of it is that John, who was, who was caught up in the spirit, and God was giving him these uh, end-time truths and end-time pictures, John is trying to write about things that he's never seen before. So there are things, and, and scholars and theologians try to pull out of the book of Revelation. Was he talking here about some kind of uh, fighter helicopter, which in John's day was not there? Was he talking about war machines that, that we see on the earth today? Was he talking about some of those when he talked about this and it had the face of a lion and fire came out of its mouth? You know, see, there were things back then that, that John didn't know. But see, these pictures are so so vital for us. And that's part of the difficulty of the book of Revelation. But Revelation 1 verse 3, just to tell you, says you're blessed even if you read it. Okay? So he just wants you to just read it. So it's okay if you, you're like me in algebra. Yeah, I was blessed because I went to class. <laughs> Somebody brought me a shirt tonight. It's back in the office now, but it says something like four out of three people have trouble with math. Why? What's wrong with that? <laughs> so anyway, back to our program. So he, he turns on the picture here, the house built on rock. Go ahead. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. Everybody say it did not fall. It did not fall. For or because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man, here's the parable, the comparison here, who built his house on the sand, on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. Everybody say it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. And for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Here's what the scribes did so often. Concept, just concept, just blank, boring concept, and just laid it out. But Jesus came with authority, and Jesus came also in the manner that he taught. This master teacher, master storyteller, and uh, you, can, you can hear that, and you can see that, and you can remember that, and it can impact your life. Amen? All right. Well, this is the parable, and it has a lot of different names because Jesus didn't really name his parables, so over the years, people named them. It's the parable of the two houses. It's the parable of the two builders. It's the parable of the two foundations. Um, you pick. Uh, again, this is from his teaching, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's teaching, and uh, we get kind of a summary of that. Uh, that Matthew relays to us. Luke also gives us some of the detail of, um, of this uh, incredible teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's notable and significant that this is the last thing that he taught. So he's telling them so many things that are kind of countercultural. And he said several times in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you have heard it said that you're to love your friends and hate your enemies. Okay? And that 
Everybody, yeah, right. He said, but I'm telling you something different. So he starts to tell them there's a different way to do this. He, he starts to tell them about forgiveness, about love, about what to do when people harass you and persecute you and, and, and do evil to you. And, he's, and what he's doing, he's, he's bringing in the concepts of the kingdom of God and he's laying all these things out and they're probably weighing those things and go, but, but Jesus, you know, forgive these people or love these people or do good to these people that do bad to me or this or that. And they're probably struggling a little bit with some of those things. Yet he's laying out all this teaching. And I just think it's significant that he ends up with this parable. He ends the, the, the whole sermon with this parable, this story that draws them in. And he says, if you'll do what I told you to do, if you do what I told you to do, your life, your, your house will stand no matter what comes. But if, but if you go the, the other way and just build the other way, it's, it's going to fall and it's not going to be good. And then he, he finished that up. Now, let's reach a little further back in the sermon. And in verse 13 and 14, prior to what we just read, he says, enter by the narrow gate. What is he talking? Is this a parable? Yes. Yeah. And, and they're everywhere. And that's why, that's why scholars have a hard time saying how many parables they are. Because actually, that's a parable. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. What happened to that second house built on sand? Destruction. destruction. And there are many. Everybody say Many. I should make us sad. There are many who go in by it. By what? By that that broad gate. Because narrow, everybody say narrow. Narrow Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Okay? So he's here talking about two ways, two gates, and two outcomes. And then right after that, he'll talk about false teaching and, and true teaching. And then he lands in that parable that we read to start with about the two houses or two, found, two foundations. Um, with what we just read here about the gates, he pretty much divides up the whole human race into two groups. And he says there's going to be a larger group and this group is going to go through a big wide gate and they're going to go down a big, broad path. And that's the way of the world. It's the way of the world. And, and where does that path go? Destruction. Do you remember in the Proverbs where it says there's a way that seems right to a man? Yes. Seems right. Everybody say seems right. seems right. Seems right to a man and it ends in death or destruction. And so this is why he's reaching in because there are people that seems right. And guess what? You know, a lot of people that seems right, seems okay. And that's what this parable undoes. Seems okay. And he's, he's going to undo this. And so he divides the whole human race into a a large group that's going to go the way of the world and it's going to end up not good. And then there's a smaller group. I want to be in that group. I want to be in that group who choose to go God's way. And he said, it's going to be a smaller group. I want you to know, though, it's going to be a whole lot of people. The reality is all of human race is a whole lot of people, 
okay? So I don't want you to think this is only 17 or something. I don't want you to think that because some groups come and knock on your door every Saturday morning and they believe that there's a limited number of, of people going and that's a, a gross misinterpretation of Scripture because, because Scripture says, whosoever will. Over and over and over. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's not an asterisk or something in the language or anything that follows that says, until we get to our number. Okay? So let's go back to this. And there's a smaller group that chooses God's way. Now, with the parable of the, of the two soils, the two houses, the two foundations, he's going to divide the smaller group into two. So we've got the whole human race. He divides that in two. There's a larger group. There's a smaller group. Larger group, if they keep going that way, not good. Smaller group's going to lead to life. And so, well, yeah, I want to be in the smaller group. Well, now he's going to further divide the smaller group to help us to make sure that we're actually doing this thing right and not fooling ourselves. He's going to divide the smaller group into the wise and the foolish. We've given you this definition before. Wise people are people who know to do right and do it. Foolish people know to do right and don't do it. Okay? So he's going to divide them up. Well, we know we're going to go God's way. We know that. But it's a matter of actually doing it. In verse 24 of of Matthew 7, he's actually talking about your life is a house. So that's, that's the picture. Your life is a house. And I want to share two things with you that, that, you know, in case the lights go off in a minute here, and they're not. But in case, you know, just suddenly uh, you don't remember anything else, you'll remember, you'll remember this. Number one, you won't like this one. Storms come to every life. I'll tell these people. Storms come to every life. Um, Let me figure the best way to do this. Is there anybody here who's never had a storm in your life? I mean, even a newborn, if they could talk, go, wow, that was rough. You know? Okay. True? All right. All right. So let's, let's reverse it now. How many of you have had a storm before? It should be every hand in this place. How many of you have had more than one? Okay. So in every life, think of the house, for every life there's a storm. Even me saying to you storm in life, that's, that's parable, okay? And so we come in, everybody's had a storm. How many of you have had some doozies? How many of you, like the Apostle Paul, have gotten caught in a storm that just wouldn't seem to let up? You might might be in that now. Let me give you the good news about storms. Storms come, but storms also go. So if you're in one now, just hang on. Just hang on. There's a couple things to do during a storm. You know, one is hang on. Another one is to repent. Remember Job or uh, Jonah? Job was a guy too, but Jonah, remember him? And, uh, you know, it's about repenting. Storm came up because he needed to repent. 
Uh, Jesus on the lake one time rebuked a storm. So sometimes you need to, a lot of people are just quick to rebuke the storm because they think they're Jesus, you know. And I think you should, but I, I think you, you know, stop in the name of Jesus, stop this storm. But I think first thing you need to do is hold on and then see if you need to repent of anything. Okay. Not that God is the author of the storm. God will get you sometimes right out of a storm. Sometimes God will just cause the storm to stop like Jesus, peace, be still and everything stopped and died down. And other times God will just get you through the storm. But in the storm, you're never alone. You're never without help. Storms come, but storms go. Okay? So storms come to every life. So never feel like you're, you're getting picked on. Okay? And, never, and, and remember, Jesus is the Savior. Okay? He's the Savior. He's not the storm maker. Okay? Understand that. Okay. So storms come in, into every life. And here's the second thing I want to make sure that you get. A life or a, a house built on hearing and doing what Jesus has taught us. Or let me just put it in these terms. What God's word. A life that is built on hearing and doing. That life, that house is built, you ready for this? On an unshakable foundation. So figure this one out. There's going to be storms. So guess where we'd better build? On solid rock. And the way we do that is by hearing and doing the word of God. Can I get an amen tonight? And hearing and doing the words of of God, the words of Jesus, that should be never separated. It should never be separated that the hearing and doing. Everybody say hearing and doing. Even over in the book of James, chapter 1 here. James. Therefore lay aside... All filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, watch this carefully, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be, help me, doers of the what? Okay, let's read all that again. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, hearer, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. That's a parable again. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, uh, New Living Translation says something to this effect, the law that sets you free, who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a what? A doer of the work. This one, go ahead and read it with me. This one will be blessed in what he does. So, do you want to deceive yourself or do you want to be blessed? That was really crummy. Uh, I mean, come on, how many of you want to be blessed? Now, let me back up on something. And blessed does not mean, oh, good, we're going to have lots of money. That's that, okay. God, part of blessing is provision, but part of blessing also is coming and going in safety, sleeping good at night, having favor in life, having protection, having peace, uh, getting answers, you know, 
God's hand upon your life to help you. It's God's help in your life. I don't want to live here without God's help. I said, I don't want to live here. I I, I don't want to be here without God's help. And so we, we have that. And part of the way to ensure and maximize God's help and blessing in our life is to be a hearer and a doer. Hearer and a doer. Now remember in James it said that if you hear but you don't do, you deceive yourself. Okay, there's another guy in the Bible who's referred to as the deceiver. Okay, so if you hear and you don't do, do you know what you end up doing? Cooperating. I put it this way, cooperating with the enemy of your soul. So when you hear the word of God, you can fool yourself. Well, I heard it. I read it. And you can fool yourself and think everything's going to be okay. But that's like having food in the refrigerator and in the oven and in the pantry got plenty of food, but you don't eat it. And then you die of starvation. You know, and you fooled yourself. You've got you've to know that it's not enough just to have it around. I must hear, I must do. If I just hear, and you know, this is the responsibility that's on you now because you're hearing. If you hear and you don't do, you're going to deceive yourself. And this is what really, you know, torques me right here then you would be cooperating voluntarily with the enemy of your soul. So you know what? Push that aside. I'm going to be a hearer and I'm going to be a doer. Everybody say, I'm a hearer hearer and a doer and and I'm blessed. All right. Let's dive back in here. Uh, In verse 24 and 25, he says, whoever hears and does, he calls them a wise man. So whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, so hears and does, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended. Watch, watch the elements. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall. Say that again. It did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. So the parable has to relate to something they can identify with. Okay? Because otherwise it becomes complex like book of Revelation. So he's talking about things they can understand. So think of the elements, the rain, and then floods, and then wind, and the wind didn't just blow. Do you remember what else the wind did? It beat on the house. You ever had those kind of winds come? It's like hurricane force. Well, in in this region, in Palestine, uh, where Jesus was ministering, um, without warning, and they didn't have weather channel. Okay? And they didn't have apps on their phone. And they didn't have, they didn't have all the, the things that we have that help us, you know, and the weatherman, and, and we interrupt this program, and, you know, alarms and alerts. And they didn't have all of that. And so without warning, and just the nature of the lay of the land, and the seas, and the humidity, and different things that would happen, uh, you would have storms to drop because of there's hills and valleys and different things. You would have these uh, storms to drop, to gather and to drop. And then suddenly you have torrential rainfall. And so the rain's coming down, but the rain is also coming down in the hills and the mountains. And it would create what are called torrents. We've heard of torrential rain is because it creates torrents. And the torrents are just almost violent. If you look up torrent, don't do it now, but if you look up torrent, it will talk about that it's actually flood waters that are violent. 
And so you've got the rain coming down, but then you've got all this piling up and coming down. And it comes down into this area along with hurricane force wind happening because of the heat and the cold suddenly colliding. And boom, you've got all this going on. And as those torrents come, they're going to wash away anything in its path unless it's hooked to something. Unless it's built on something. And so the wise man who hears and does, he builds his house upon rock. And I just want to insert this too. Notice it's, it's rain, floods, and wind, and strong wind that beats. You know what? It's a number of things. It's several things. Isn't that what a storm is? I call that a package deal. So let's go back to storms in our life. When you get a storm in your life, it's rarely just one little thing or one thing. It's usually a combination of things. Usually it's a a package deal, so to speak. But the wise man's house was built on rock. And the rain poured, the torrents came, the rivers overflowed, the winds blew and beat against the house. And, And the Bible says that it never collapsed. It never collapsed. It stood. The wise man built his house on a foundation of rock. In Luke's account of this parable, he says that he dug deep and laid on the foundation on rock. So he dug deep. Everybody say, dig deep. deep. And he laid the foundation on rock and it did not fall. Please get this. It did not fall. Matter of fact, Luke's gospel said this, it was not shaken. So not only did it not fall, it did not shake. Get this. His house did not fall because he built it on rock. That's the parable. Your life, if you will build it on God's word, hearing and doing, your life will stand. It will not fall. It will not be shaken. You know, back what year did we have several hurricanes? 04, 05. We had several. And I'm praying, you know, we've had some good, clear Hurricane seasons. I mean, I'm tired of people saying, well, they always go to Florida. No, they don't. You know, I just love it when they just die at sea. They take that, that hard right, do a, do a U-turn right out there. And we keep praying for that. Amen. Uh, but back when we had those storms and my kids, oh, my kids, they've all moved. Um, all right, let's close in prayer. Um, they were all at home. Um, I got ready for it. We had one pretty bad storm and all of that. So I got ready for the next one. And I got this big generator and I boarded up our windows. And so, and we had food and water and snacks and everything. And the big generator would run. We have a two-story house. It would run virtually everything downstairs. And so hurricanes coming again. And so you know, I'm praying out on the porch, speaking to big trees, stand, stand in the name of Jesus. Because they're like doing this number, you know. And I'm just right there. Well, my kids, though, they're all cozy in the living room, eating snacks and watching Disney movies and stuff. And they're like, and, and skipping school. And they're, they're like, you know, got a little, one of those Snuggies on and, and walking across the house going to get another snack. We love hurricanes. <laughs> it really didn't have anything to do with this. But, but. no, the fact was in the middle of a storm, they were safe 
And they, you ready for this? And they felt safe. They felt safe. Not even shaken. And so I think it's just important for us to get this. This is the difference that you hear and you do. Say it. Hear and do. Because you're going to have storms. And I'm not a doom and gloomer. But you're going to have storms. A big one, a little one, whatever. And you may have a couple right in a row. But if you'll build your house on rock, you don't have to fear. I said you don't have to fear. Amen. Now let's look at the other guy. Everybody say the other guy. Verse 26 and verse 27. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Foolish. So he hears so he knows, but he doesn't do. Foolish man who built his house on the what? On the sand. And the rain descended. And if you'll note carefully, it's the same storm. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. And great was its fall. So he built on sand. And and let me just say this. And I'm not trying to be cutesy rhyming here. He built on sand. And I'm sure of this. It looks fine in the sunshine. And see, sometimes people will build their life on sand. And it looks fine in the sunshine. They've. I got no worries. Look at my life. But here's the reality. There are inherent weaknesses that really won't be exposed until storm comes. And listen, we're nobody's judge. Everybody raise your right hand. We're we're nobody's judge, okay? We're not qualified to judge. But we can learn and we can observe and realize You know, and I've watched it and I watch it and I watch it and I watch it that people's lives build on sand and they go, I don't have to serve God. I don't have to do God's word. I can just do this and just do this. I am fine. And I just want to say, but you know what? The reality for every one of us is storms come. And it may look fine in the sunshine, but there are weaknesses that exist. They're just waiting and they'll be revealed when the storm comes. And the, and the sad thing is, when the storm comes, you know, it's the three little pigs again. Huff and puff and blow your house down. The straw or sticks, we've got to make it with, with stone. How'd the pigs make it here tonight? I don't know. <laughs> we have an impatient society, an impatient culture, dedicated and addicted to the quick fix. Wanting reward without the work. And that's what happens with this. We want the reward. We want the blessing. We want all of that. Just quick fix. Jesus fix it for me. Jesus keep it from me. And we want the reward without, without doing the work. And what the foolish guy does is he does not give Jesus and his word the right honor, the right place, or even the right effort. And here's what false teaching does that Jesus warned about. Remember, we talked about it earlier. False teaching and empty teaching tells you it doesn't matter. It tells you build wherever you want to build. Let's build quick. Let's build easy. It doesn't matter. All this doing God's word. What are you, in a cult? Come on. We're free. Find yourself. You know, and that looks fine in the sunshine. It's your human strength. It's your human goodness will get you through. Till the storm comes. 
You know, there are documented stories of atheists who denied God, but in their moment of death, one of them actually trapped under a burning car, calling out for who? And you know what I pray, honestly? That merciful God, our merciful God saves him. Other people, nope, nope, they should have known earlier. Well, that's a whole nother parable that we may look at later, that those who joined the workforce late in the day and still got full wages. So false teaching, empty teaching encourages you to build on sand, that human effort's enough, human goodness is enough, and it just sets you up because a storm will come. Storms come. And the rains descend and the floods come and the winds blow and it will crumble in the crash. Now, let me take just a moment to do this, and then we're going to wrap this up tonight. Um, if you build, and remember what Luke's gospel said, that he had to work, and he built, and he dug into the rock to have rock foundation. That sounds like work. And that's why some people want to build on sand, because I don't want to do the work. Well, I thought Christianity was not about works. It's not. The salvation part's not. And we talked about this on Sunday. Remember the cup of salvation is, it's a gift. It's easy. It's about your your eternity. But your life and living in freedom, that's where we work out the results of our own salvation. So there's some effort there. Dallas Willard, a great contemporary theologian, he passed away just a few months ago. He said this, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So if you're doing the works to try to earn something, no, no, no. But if you're doing the work to cooperate with God and to develop these things, listen, it's work to hear and do the word of God. It's some work to remember it and then to push past the other things that are pushing and pulling on you. I'm going to do the work of God. It's, it's, it's some work, but I'm telling you what, you're co-laboring with God and God will help you in that. And remember from Philippians, it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to do, to create in you the power and the desire to do. And so God will help us with this, but I don't want to fool you a bit. I want, you to know, you're going to have to work a little bit. And when it's easy to just lean on your goodness or your strength, it is better to go ahead and do the work of saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Jesus, I'm going to obey you. Now go back to the Sermon on the Mount. What are some of the things that he said to do that are going to be hard to do? Forgive. Actually be good to somebody who's been a jerk to you. Can you say jerk in church? (laughs) You know, or... Give and it will be given to you. I don't want to give. You know, everything that he said right there are highlights that just those things to do them, sometimes they're hard. To do some of the things he said to do are hard. But he said, but if you will do that, then the storm comes with all of its elements, you're going to stand. But if you choose to just go the way you have heard it said, do it, you know, love your friends and hate your enemies. Guess what? That's easy. He said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, what makes that special? Anybody can be nice to the people that are nice to them. He said, I'm calling you to a different way, to a kingdom way. And and it's an unshakable kingdom. It's a kingdom that will always stand and will cover you. Amen. 
It takes some work, it takes some effort, it takes some time, it takes some consistency, it takes some trust in God that I will hear and do what you say and you build your life on rock. The law of Moses even ended with the same kind of invitation to choose life or death. That's what you're doing. You're choosing, you're choosing to be safe or to have destruction in your life. And actually, that's the way this teaching ends as well. You choose. Everybody say, I choose. I choose. You choose where you build your life. You choose for yourself what you build your life on. Um, you know, when people get married, I pray that they build their marriage on hearing and doing the word of God. You build a business. You're going to start a business. You want it to be safe? Build it on the principles of God. You know, doing a church, you're doing whatever you do. Build it. Any part of your life, build it. Put it on solid rock foundation. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you again, there'll be storms. There'll be storms. And so you're going to choose, just as Moses called him, choose this day. At the end of the law of Moses, choose this day what you're going to do with this. Uh, Life or death. Life or death. That will make it through the storm or the storm will take us out. And I'll tell you what, it's a pretty easy choice. But there is some work involved in that. You choose. Hearing and doing. And I'll just end with this. In verse 28, Matthew 7. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching because Jesus was the master storyteller and they were marked forever. They were marked forever by what he shared because of how he shared it. My prayer tonight is you you are marked forever. You're marked forever by the truths of this parable of Jesus. And my prayer is that you will hear and do and that you'll repent of just hearing and not doing and that we'll hear and do Build your life and every part of your life on solid rock. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this tonight?